there's people that I've met that are like, I wake up, go to work, go in VR. Sometimes I sleep in VR and then I wake up and do it all over again. And who else is gonna evangelize to them? If Dr. Taco never evangelized to me, I don't know where I would be today. In virtual reality, they are real people all around the world that are genuinely looking for some type of social interaction to fill some void in their life that they might be missing in real life. There are people that are lost. They become recluse or shut in to where they don't want to go out into the real world again, so they retreat to the virtual world. I was very unhappy in my life. I became an alcoholic. I just became so depressed and spiteful of everybody around me. To get away from that, I just wanted to be alone with other people that were also lonely and introverted. And so I eventually found this game called VR Chat. In virtual reality, people are inherently more simple than they are in real life. Whenever I was in VR, you know, I would drink and I would just ruin everybody's day. I would say very hateful things to them, I'd say very hurtful things to them. And so a lot of people in virtual reality, they, they do that. They're able to open up about their sins and they're able to hang out with people that enables them to continue to be even more sinful than they, than they would be in real life. That day, I was just hanging out by myself, drinking, and there's this guy and he's testing out his new avatar. Okay, that's perfect. Okay, five, four, three, two. And this tiny two foot tall Nutella jar with a face and legs comes running up to us and starts kind of like making fun. And so I was saying, we're gonna go in and head out. But one of my friends named Silver stayed behind and actually got to talk to Michaela Moore. And Silver, she was just sitting alone by herself. So I started talking to her. You know, I was a little drunk at the time. And so I started like sharing all of my woes to her. She was like, there's this guy named Dr. Taco. And I was like, oh, that's the guy I just made fun of. Dr. Taco and I start talking and I'm like, hey, you know, my life is actually really awful. And he said, you can fix that with Jesus. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he starts to share the gospel with me and he continues to share the gospel with me. It started to like fill this void in my heart that I've been chasing with alcohol. And instead of like filling that void with hatred, I wanted to have my heart filled with Jesus. So my husband and I now, we do virtual ministry, which is just like any other real life ministry, except you go into a video game and you tell people about Jesus. That's just a tool. That's just one of the many, many, many tools missionaries are using to reach out to the lost around them. It's not very much different, except for maybe you're sharing the gospel with, you know, like a SpongeBob character, or you're sharing the gospel with a carrot with legs or a banana with sunglasses. VRChat is that same avenue to bring people from where they are without Christ to a relationship and a life with Christ. Although virtual reality isn't the real world, there's real people inside of it, and there's real people there that need the gospel. Some of you like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I know what you're thinking about. This is not your grandma's, grandpa's world anymore, right? Yeah. Um, our goal, 23 and 23. We expect to meet that. I want you to be a part of that and what God's doing in and around the world and some of the most unusual ways that God is reaching people through technology and just meeting people. I, I, there's lots of stories that I could share about what's going on in places 
your support of international missions around the world and, and relationships that are being built and people that are being one to the Lord and people that are being baptized. But we have an opportunity to be on the front row through the Lottie Moan Christmas offering. And I pray that you and your family, you as an individual, will consider how you might be a part of that. We will announce that uh, during our Christmas Eve, Eve and Eve, and Eve, whatever Eve services they are. And uh, that's another thing. Listen, guys, don't wait. Um, we've been watching this, and we've been we've been sort of seeing what the numbers. And and it's not about the numbers. It's us wanting to be able to provide space for you and your friends to be able to come and participate. So please make sure that you get signed up and allow us the opportunity to be able to navigate those waters as we create extra space. It's just the way it is, but we're very thankful. By the way, I thought that Brian was going to say something about his dream was the fact that they cut his beard off, and Leslie looked at him and said, what is that? I'm out of here. I, I, I didn't really... And so, uh, so anyway, my name is Sydney, and I'm filling in for, for Rod and for Hux, so I'm glad to be with you guys today. Yes. I thought what I would do is I would drive a vehicle either down the, down the, so I could have some little visual aid for you this morning. I know the Hooks has got you all excited about visual aids. I'm not blowing up any firecrackers. I'm not going to do anything like that. But so any, I'm just older and I have to take things a little bit slower. And so, uh, so you hang with me today if you would do that. I want you to know that before um, you ever arrived today that you were prayed for, look at the person next to you and say, I want you to know you were prayed for this morning. And you say, how do you know that? I, because I'm the one that prayed for you this morning. I prayed for you this morning, and I prayed for our time and our gathering here today as we begin a new series talking about a weary world rejoice. Because in the weariness of this world, there is an opportunity for us to rejoice and to give praise, not because of the circumstances we may be facing but because of the birth of a Christ child. What's the old song that says it's the most wonderful time of the year? It's the most wonderful time of the year. And I don't know the rest of the words, but I do know that part. And for some, that may be true, but for others, that's not necessarily so true, correct? For this is the time of the year that sometimes the stress and the tensions just become overwhelming that you feel pressed in on. Maybe it's the relational tensions, the financial tensions, the things going on at, at work. I don't know what they may be, but Christmas season has a way of exaggerating the junk in our lives, exaggerating all of that junk, and yet in the weariness of what's taking place, pointing us towards something that's absolutely incredible. And I don't want us to lose sight I almost wanted to stand up and start singing, Oh, come, let us adore him. Because that's why we celebrate the Christmas season. Amen? In the tensions, which are so prevalent during the holiday season, it leads us towards this sense, it can lead us towards this sense of exhaustion and weariness. And uh, Christmas may not be the most wonderful time of the year because of what we're facing at this moment, but I will tell you it is the most wonderful time of the year because of our focus and where we center ourselves in on the birth of the Christ child who was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. And because of the birth of Christ, 
I am reminded that whatever circumstance that I may face or whatever situation that I may be enduring at this moment, that there is a reason for us to rejoice. For us to rejoice because hope was born. That God in his infinite wisdom and love would send his son who would be born of a virgin there in that place. And we would have the ability not just to know about him, but we would have the privilege of knowing him personally and intimately. And even though we may face the hardships of the power struggles of the political parties, the unrest around the world as well as here within our own area, that we don't have to be afraid or fearful, which it would be easy to do. Sometimes you just need to turn off the TV people. Sometimes we just need to sit and listen to God's voice instead of the voice of a, of a reporter. But we can rejoice and we can live with hope and with purpose. See, Christmas isn't just a great time of the year because we're reminded of who is with us. But as we celebrate the birth of Christ, it is being reminded of who is for us. That Christ is for us. That he is for us that he loves us, and that regardless of how complicated the situation may be that you might be facing at this moment in time and the weariness of your heart, and there's a lot of weariness because I hear it, I hear it, I'm involved in those conversations that we can still turn our attention back to that manger scene where Jesus would be born and us rejoice. Having said that, I want you to turn to the book of John with me today, and we're going to focus on a couple of passages. We're not going to take an awful lot of time today as we introduce where we're going to be headed over these next several weeks. But as you're turning to the book of John, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are four different accounts of the life of Jesus from four different authors, very similar yet flavored upon their personalities. The books of Matthew and, and Luke would start up front with the announcement of Jesus' birth, whereas in Mark's account, he would take time out to mention the birth of John the Baptist and is the announcement of the Messiah who was coming. And then he quickly moves on to the ministry and the life surrounding Jesus. But when you get to the Gospel of John, where we're going to be at today, in just two passages of Scripture, just two, just, just a small portion of Scripture, when you get to the place where John is writing, he comes at things from a different angle. Maybe it was because of John's age. Maybe it was because of his experiences. Some scholars believe that John was an older man, and this was one of the latest gospels that was written, probably some 60 years or so after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. And even though we don't know the exact date, what we do know is that what John would record would be in an accurate account of what he experienced. John, here he is, an older man, knowing that his time was short, and there was something that he wanted to share. There was something that he, a message that he wanted to communicate so that the generations to follow would know what he had seen and what he had heard and what he had experienced firsthand, not secondhand. Are you with me? And so I want you to imagine the stories that John could have told, not because of what he had heard, but because of what he had seen and what he had experienced personally. John knew Jesus so well that he could explain him in just a small phrase. Maybe even one word. You know, maybe you've heard it before. God is what? Love. Love. 
And here's John at the age when he's writing that he had seen not only men die of a natural death, but he had seen many men and their women and children, lives taken from them. John lived in a time when a man by the name of Nero was in charge in Rome. He was the emperor of Rome. And at one point, he had sent troops into the cities in and around Galilee. They murdered the Jews and they sent others into slavery in the slave markets around Rome. And John would have been there in Jerusalem when the temple was burned and destroyed in 70 AD. There are some historians say that there were over a million Jews that were killed at that time and those that weren't killed were taken into slave trade, men, women, and children. They were taken into captivity. Imagine the numbers of people that would have died as a result of the brutal attacks of the Romans. Those that would have been left grieving from the lives lost, the orphans, the widows, the widowers, the parents who had watched their children not only be murdered, persecuted, but also enslaved. Does it sort of ring a bell with you today in what's happening in Israel? And even in the death and the persecution that John witnessed, I want you to hear this today. John didn't waver in his faith. Even though what John saw with his own eyes and what he experienced, John did not waver in his faith. Maybe it was his personal time with Jesus. Maybe it was the miracles that he had witnessed with his own eyes. In John's gospel account, he didn't go to the extent that some of the other gospel writers did when mentioning and talking about the miracles and the signs that Jesus performed, but there were, there were seven specific ones that he did mention that demonstrated and talked about that led us to understand and believe the deity of Christ, that recorded the, the ministry and the activity of Jesus and the reality of who he was, that he was the Son of God. In John chapter C, 2, we see where Jesus turned the water into wine. In John chapter 4, we see where he healed the official son. In John chapter 5, we see where he healed a man that had been crippled for 38 years. In John chapter 6, we see the feeding of the 5,000. Also in John 6, where Jesus walked on water. In John chapter 9, we see where he healed a blind man. And then in John chapter 11, we see the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But according to John and what he would record and what he would write, there was so much more that took place. There were so many other things that John had experienced in his time. And we know that because of what he wrote in chapter 21, verse 25, when he said, if it, would, if it had all been written down, I suppose that the whole world could not contain the books that would be, that would be written. And what John is saying is that after you read my account, after you read the stories that I'm going to share with you of what took place and what Jesus did, that I just don't want you to be amazed. I just don't want you to be impressed. But I want you to understand that Jesus is who he says he was, that he was the Messiah, that he had come to save the people from their sins. And by trusting him that we could have eternal Life. And I don't know about you today. I don't know about you. I know that you're here and I'm glad that you're here. But I don't know if you're here just because it's a part of your schedule, it's a part of your routine, or if you're here because you want to hear God's voice because you believe that Jesus is the Messiah and you have that hope, that anticipation that one day he's not only come, but one day he's coming back. Amen? And so John begins his gospel not with the story of the birth of Christ, which would have seemed logical. I mean, you always start at the beginning, in the beginning, right? 
But that's not how John would start. But instead of starting out with the details of the birth of Christ, the manger and the sheep and the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and Mary and Joseph, John begins with the significance of the birth of Jesus. He begins with the significance of the birth of Jesus. And just like the darkness and the difficulties that were going on when John was writing his gospel account, he had to be reminded of the stresses and the chaos that was taking place at the time that when Jesus himself was born. And here's John, I can imagine, sitting down to write, and it's so important to take note of exactly what John would pen, the words that he would pen, because inside of those words, we need to recognize and understand that it was not the best of times, but it was in a time of chaos and confusion. Weariness? Absolutely. Worry? Absolutely. And this is what John had to say at the beginning in verse 4 of chapter 1 in his gospel. And read along with me this morning. And I'm reading this morning from the NIV. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And so here inside of the darkness, here inside of the dysfunction, John, who had witnessed the beatings, who had witnessed the bloodshed, who had witnessed the death, the cries of men, women, and children, would say this, that in him, talking about Jesus, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And I need, you to, I need you to underline that. All mankind, all, everyone, not some, not a few, not most, but all, everyone, everyone. And that's a really big deal, a really big deal. Because here's John writing back, and when Jesus showed up on the scene, there were those that accepted him as the Jewish Messiah, that he was just there for the Jewish people. But now here is John writing years later, looking back and saying, oh no, oh no, no, Jesus was bigger. He was bigger because he just didn't come for the Jews, but he came for everyone. See, look to the person next to you and say, Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you. He came for me. He came for everyone. He came for all the world. And here is John reflecting, thinking back, everything that he had personally seen, everything that he had personally witnessed, and the light that John was describing, the light that John was talking about, the light that here that John is, is uh, illustrating for us, he's describing it wasn't just a, a ray of hope for the Jews, but it was a ray of hope for everyone. Everyone. And then John goes on to write in verse 5, the light, the light shines in the darkness. You know, we all have a tendency to complain about how bad things are, don't we? Anybody whine this week? Let me see our whiners. <laughs> how many of us talk about how bad things are, how bad we've got it, how bad this is and how bad that is? But I have a feeling that the darkness that John was talking about, the, one that, the darkness that he was mentioning and referring to was, was darkness on a whole nother level. 
See, instead of taking away the, the darkness, what God did is he gave us a light. Did you hear me? See, instead of taking away, removing the darkness, what God did is he gave us a light. For the Jewish nation, it would have been dark. It would have been very dark. The sacrificial, the temple, everything that they had known was now destroyed. And yet in spite of the chaos and the carnage, John says, the light, the light, the light, Jesus shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, regardless of how much evil has tried to extinguish or cover up the light, it couldn't do it. Amen? It couldn't do it. And regardless of whatever you may be experiencing this, at this moment in time, whatever stress it may be that you may be up under, whatever tension you, that you may be dealing with at this time, I want you to understand that that darkness, that the light of Jesus can overcome it. The, the darkness that we face cannot overcome the light. I mean, this is the guy who would have received the news at some point that not only had Paul and Peter been executed, but also all the other disciples. Get a load of this. Think about this. And here is John writing with confidence that in spite of the evil that he had witnessed, the light itself could not be extinguished. John would have witnessed and he would have endured the hopelessness and the crucifixion of Jesus there. He would have, he would have witnessed the burial and yet he would have also witnessed the empty tomb and the risen Savior. And this is, what, this is what John believed. Don't miss this. Jesus was the light. In the simplistic form, Jesus was the light. And as a result, there was nothing to fear. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Are you picking up what I'm trying to communicate with you? That whatever darkness you might be experiencing, that Jesus is the light. And so as we begin to, to march our way towards Christmas to celebrate the birth of Christ, there's probably no other time of the year that we're bombarded with the tensions than we are like Christmas. I wish I could just tell you about the stories of this week and what I've experienced and what I've heard. You have an opportunity to, to have a week of prayer and focused on foreign missions and on our HCC website in places there will be things that we put out. And I was reading the story this morning about missionaries in Belgium and it was talking about an inanimate bear. It's just a blue bear that in Belgium, the government, because of the depression, and the suicide rates among young adults and teenagers, they've tried to offset that. And what they've done is they've created this inanimate bear that sits in a region of Belgium on a, on a, on a park bench, welcoming people, this inanimate blue bear, to come and have a conversation. Isn't that interesting? So one of the stories of missionaries that we'll be supporting during this time have decided, well, why don't we create an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to have an environment where people don't have to talk to an inanimate, inanimate bear sitting on a park bench, but why don't we create opportunities that people can talk to a real person 
And then we can talk to them about the hope of Christ. And so in that park, they have a, a place where people can come and sit and have a cup of coffee. And in that process, have a conversation about, with someone about Jesus and about the light that he brings. Do you know you don't have to go to Belgium to find people that are struggling? I've met with multitudes of people this week that are looking for somebody that are isolated in a room like the picture that we saw up front about the story of missionaries and how they're being reached through virtual media. There are tons of people that have isolated because that's what we do in the darkness. Darkness causes us to isolate ourselves. But Jesus is the light and we should be drawn to the light. And yet in the darkness and the weariness of our souls, today we are reminded the words of John, that Jesus is the light. And that regardless of the feelings that you may be experiencing today, those of us in this room or those that are listening to my voice, that there is hope. See, what makes this the most wonderful time of the year? By the way, I do have my Christmas tree up. I just want to share that with you. We came back early because I told him, I said, listen, my big self is not getting up in the attic and falling out. So <laughs> what makes this the most wonderful time of the year isn't what's going on in and around us at this time, but what happened 2,000 years ago when a baby was born in Bethlehem whose name was Jesus. And John said in verse 4, in him was life, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And what was said then, then was true then, and it's still true today and forever. One person said it this way, we aren't alone. We have the light of Christ and the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in an otherwise very dark and dreary world. We rejoice today not because of the circumstances that we face, but because of the reality, the reality of the hope that we have in Jesus.
I will take you at your word. Jesus, you have taken hold of me. All my life is in your hands. You are my strength. You are my strength. to lose sight of where we're headed over the next few days, next few weeks as we move our way towards Christmas and navigate those waters. I don't want us to lose the anticipation of the birth of Christ, the sacrifice that he would give, 
his life for all of us. I don't want to get bottled up and get held in that place of darkness, which can be so difficult. But I want us to put our eyes and our attention on the light who would give his life for everyone. And I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus, but I'll tell you this coming to church is not going to make, that's not what you, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And if you don't know him, what is it keeps you from making the most important decision of all? Be on the lookout for people that are struggling, that are hurting. Be attentive, be available, make yourself available. You have the ability. You're on the mission field every day as a disciple, an apostle, an ambassador for Jesus Christ if you're a follower of him. What you have availability to is much more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning, but it's offering hope to people around you that don't know. You know why? Because just like John, once you've seen it and once you've experienced it and once you've been part of it, how can you not talk about that which you've seen and heard and experienced it? Because if you've experienced it firsthand, I promise you this, you're going to want to give it to somebody else. You can't hold on to the gospel. You can't hold on to the hope that it brings you want to give it to somebody else because you know the difference that it's made in your life. Amen? Amen? I want us to be that type of church. I want us to be that type of church that not only understands we have a, the privilege here of making a difference, but around the world. <laughs> you guys were a part of, of I don't know, what they said, over 10,000 boxes that went out from this place. And I don't know how many went out from here, but I know we kept having to order more and more and more. And with those boxes, those were just door opening opportunities because with every one of those boxes, the gospel is going out and there are discipling teams that are going into those places where the boxes are being sent so that they can not just receive a box, but they can come to know who the greatest gift of all is, and that's Jesus. So today, as we get ready to depart this place, man, I'm sending you out as missionaries. I want you to turn the light on just for one second because I do want to say this right here to you. I want you to also put up on the, the, the board up there the slide about the men's retreat. Men, retreat is coming up February 2nd and 3rd. On that Friday and Saturday, Sunday morning, Eddie will be with us here. But on that Friday and Saturday, I want you guys to be a part of this time. It's very important for us as men to gather, for us to encourage, for us to be spurred on, to, be, to talk about God's Word and to talk with one another about God's Word. And I want every man in this room to be able to be a part of that. Ladies, you need to make sure that your man has an opportunity to be a part in that. You want a better man? You need to encourage him to be part of the men's retreat. Amen? Yeah. I want to hear ladies go, amen. Yeah. Yeah. You say, I don't have the money. See Steve Whitaker. He's got a lot of money. I don't, but I know a guy. I know a guy. Steve said he doesn't, but he knows a guy. So that's all you got to do is know somebody. Man, I want you to make sure you get signed up. Listen, don't be waiting to the last minute. Don't be waiting to the last minute to sign up for the doggone Christmas Eve. Be making plans now of who you're going to bring with you because you want to have an influence in their life because you want to be a light to them. Amen? Amen. Father, I pray for us today as we walk out these doors, we would understand it. Lord, for those of us that know you, we know the light 
and we know the difference that the light makes, and we understand that that light will overcome any darkness that we may experience. Help us to not become confused and burdened down and over, over, overwhelmed by that which we may be walking in. But Father, help us to keep our eyes focused on the birth of Christ who would give his life for all of us. And recognizing that the sin that overwhelms us, that Lord, we can have freedom from that by walking in the light. Jesus, I pray that we would take that message to the streets and that we would become your we would, be, we would be your disciples and your ambassadors in this, in this community in which we live. For our missionaries around the world, we pray for them. And Lord, for our Christmas Eve services now, even now at this moment, I'm praying for those who will come, that will be invited, that they will come anticipating and seeking and desiring to hear a word as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Thank you for the privilege of being in this place and for the words of John and how we can be encouraged today and not be overwhelmed. Jesus, thank you for the blood of the cross. Father, I pray that you would continue to encourage us as a church family and lead us during this season. May it be an incredible time as we make our way towards that birth. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.